Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. Top 40 country radio recording artist D.A. Cole is firing things up on the Lions Radio Network with this provocative approach to talk radio. Hot topics, interesting guests, and music will entice listeners to call in and join the conversation on Turning Up the Heat. Hi, and welcome to Turning Up the Heat. I'm D.A. Cole, along with my producer, engineer, and co-host, Brian Gard. DA, once again, thanks for having me. Once again, we're so glad to be here with you tonight. And our guest today, this evening, had a fine Major League Baseball career, patrolling the outfield for the Los Angeles Dodgers, San Francisco Giants, San Diego Padres, and Milwaukee Brewers. He was an important part of a Dodgers club that made it to a World Series. Please welcome to the show, Vaughn Joshua. Hey, Vaughn. Hi, D.A., how you doing? We're doing well over here. So glad to have you on the show tonight. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on and join us and uh, enlighten our listeners about uh, what it's like uh, not only to, um, to be a first-round draft pick, uh, to play in the major leagues for an uh, extended period of time, more than most players have the opportunity to do, and to, uh, and to, uh, to grace the, the field of a World Series uh, of a world series on a team that uh, was quite a, quite a ball club. And um, we're going to ask you some questions about that and some of the people you've had a chance to play with. So um, just uh, please uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you, uh, where you grew up and um, your early career in baseball and uh, how you got, you know, how you got to the major leagues. What was the, uh, what was your, your path to get to the majors? Well, uh, actually I'm, I'm from Oakland, California and, uh, Fortunately, I had a lot of guys ahead of me that I had some future Hall of Famers uh, that grew up in my neighborhood, and they took the time to come out and, you know, help the young kids. And uh, guys like, well, Joe Morgan went to my high school, uh, Frank Robinson's from my neighborhood, Beta uh, wow. uh guys like Kirk Flood, uh, they're all from uh, from my neighborhood. So okay. so those guys, you know, <laughs> they would come out. Uh, I was like, you know, when I was eight years old, if you asked me what did I want to be when I grew up, I'd, I'd, I'd just say a major league ball player. I had no idea what you had to go through <laughs> to, to become a major league ball player. But, um, but like I said, I was very, very fortunate to have those guys to look up to and, and for those guys to take the time to uh, come and help us young players, you know, so – so actually, I uh, I I was drafted out of high school by the Giants. Uh, back in those days, they had two drafts. They had the June draft, which was the major draft, and they had what they called the secondary draft. Was in January, and uh, so I got drafted by I was number one draft choice by the Giants in the secondary draft. You know, got different kids come out of school at different times, so that's why they had the two drafts. But I was drafted by the Giants uh, in the first round in the secondary draft, and uh, we we couldn't come to an agreement. And so I went back. What they do, they put you back in the pool. So meanwhile, I uh, I had gone to a tryout camp with the Dodgers, and uh, they signed me. Uh, 
I went there one Saturday, and the scout came to my house Tuesday, and I was up in the Northwest League next Saturday. So uh, that was my start, and uh, fortunately, I, I won the batting title that year. And, you know, a lot of teams were, were at that time, were getting ready to uh, do away with the tryout camps because, you know, they said, well, it's a waste of time. Nobody's, you know, getting up, you know, nobody's, you know, really, you know, really getting any good ball players or anything. But, you know, they thought, well, with me, I got to the big leagues in two years. So, you know, there are players that slip through the cracks. You know, so um, so that's so a lot of teams, <laughs> after I got there so quick, a lot of the Dodgers in particular, they said, oh, we better keep on doing these tryout camps just, just in case we might find a diamond in the rough like that. So uh, so that's basically how I got started. Uh, that was 67. And uh, because of the Vietnam War, you know, I had, to, I had to keep my student status. So in 68, they sent me to AA. I missed uh, the beginning of the season because of my student status. And then in 69, uh, they put me on the 40-man roster, and they said, well, we can't have you missing any more <laughs> more baseball season. So you're on the 40-man roster now. So they got me into a reserve unit. And uh, I was 69. I went to Spokane. That was my first year uh, playing for Tommy LaSarda. And uh, so at the end of the season, they called all of us up in the end of 69, and that was my first year in the major leagues. Well, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm fascinated by uh, how many great ball players um, came out of the area where you grew up. It was like a like a breeding ground for, for oh. like like Santa Domingo or Cuba. It's just amazing <laughs> yeah. that that that's many true. players that's could be in true. one in one area. Um, that's really incredible. I, I, I wasn't aware of that that you went to that uh, Joe Morgan and I mean these are these are you know Hall of Fame players. Um, yeah, yeah. So the competition in, in in your area growing up must have been just in in little league must have been amazing <laughs> or a high Ab- school. Absolutely, ball. yeah, absolutely. We and uh, that makes you a better player. No, you grow up, you know. Yeah, sure. Right? Exactly, did you have something exactly. you to No, um, um, no um, I'm sorry. No, I yeah, I, I thought up, I, yeah. I want to. Um, I just want real real quick. I just want to introduce. Uh, I know you haven't you haven't spoken to. Uh, as of yet, uh, my co-host Brian Brian uh, Brian Gard is is my co-host, and he's going to have uh, a, little, a few things to say as well on the show tonight. And um, sure. I think Brian had a question for you. So, um, sure. well, just real quick, we just want to make sure we're going to get give the call out the call in number, I should say, uh, to the to the show, DA. If you want, we're going to uh, invite some of our listeners to call in. Thank you, Brian. Uh, our listeners to call in, and the number is six four six 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 eight eight four nine four. Please call in, ask Vaughn some questions or one of our, uh, either Brian or myself, and um, we'll be happy to take your call. Go ahead, Vaughn, what did, you, what, would, what did you want to say? No, no, I was just going to say, you know, there are many more players also, but, uh, you know, growing up, actually, uh, back in those days in the 60s, uh, Los Angeles was turning out, you know, a lot, um, most of the, the big ball players, but uh, the Bay Area, where I grew up was, you know, pretty real close to, to, to Los Angeles for us turning out players. And like I said, you know, there were many more guys that came out, that came out of my high school that played major league ball, Lee Lacey, uh, Larry Lentz, uh, to say that's the name of a couple of guys. Uh, but uh, it was, it was very competitive. Uh, you know, I was here again, I was fortunate to have the good training when I was a young kid. And, uh, you know, I took heed to Veda Pinson taught me how to, play the outfield and 
you know, he took me, kind of took me under his wing. Uh, actually, he married a girl that lived right across the street from me. So whenever Cincinnati came into town, all my buddies would come over to my house and sit on the porch and wait for the, he'd bring some of the players over. So we sit there and wait for the guys. So, so, so that, so I, I did, I had a, you know, great opportunity. Uh, my father was a, a teacher and a principal and uh, where he taught, a lot of those guys went, Frank Robinson, those guys, they went to the elementary school that he taught at. Then they were in, uh, his school was right down the street from the high school that Frank and Veda and all those guys went to. So I would go get on the bus and go across town and, and watch those guys play. So, you know, and I could say they were very, you know, very, very kind to uh, really help, you know, help us young players. And uh, so that was a, you know, big added advantage for me to have those guys, uh, you know, teaching us how to play the game the right way. You're uh, you're mentioning some some names I haven't heard in a long time. Um, some great mm-hmm. ball players. Lee Lacy, he was a great player. I remember, you know, as a kid, you know, watching him play, and you know, ha- I probably had his. I'm sure I had his baseball card, and um, and you know, I I I know these names, and and um, you know, the 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 games changed a little bit now. I think the ball, and I, you know, I I'm cer- certainly we'd like to hear your your take on this. Um, you know, we were looking at, uh, we certainly were, were checking out um, your stats, your career stats, and, uh, and the way the game has changed. I mean, I think the balls are a little juiced up now. And, um, <laughs> you know, back, back in the early 70s, you know, a guy, a guy, you know, an 18 to 20, you know, home run year was a power hitter. You know, now that's, exactly. a, you know, yeah, now a power hit is 30 plus, minimum 30 is a power hitter now. So I think the game's changed in, 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 in several respects. Um, I think the pitching is more, is, is more watered down because there's more rosters to fill. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that, Vaughn? Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, it's, it's definitely changed a lot. Um, you know, we play, I, you know, I won't call it the dead ball era, but, uh, yeah, you know, we can have all that stuff. <laughs> the dead I don't ball know if I'd go that far. But... The real dead ball era is where before I was born. But, uh, yeah, you know, and, and for me uh, personally, I wasn't a big guy. Actually, the 10 years I spent in the major leagues, I probably was one of the three or four small, lightest guys in the major leagues. So I wasn't a, a big home run guy. So I was more of a a line drive type of a hitter and I was very, very fast. And uh, so I, you know, utilized my speed a lot, but uh, it's changed a lot. Now you look at like, a, uh, I weighed 170 pounds uh, for 10 years in the major leagues and 14 and 15 year olds weighing that right now. Right. So uh, <laughs> the kids are there bigger and stronger now than we were. I look at someone, well, Willie Starge was another guy that came from my, you know, grew up in my, from my neighborhood and uh, called him pops, you know, and he, uh, he all, all through my career while he was still playing, he would always, you know, take me under his wing and, and, you know, and try to help me out. So, so, but yeah, it's, it's definitely changed now. Um, you know, uh you know, as far as the home runs go, you know, right now this whole launch angle and all this stuff, you know, guys are trying to hit home runs now. And uh, we, you know, it, that wasn't a, a big thing at the time to, to, like, as you said, you know, 25, 30 home runs. Tony Perez was like the RBI leader almost every year with like 95 to 100, you know. So, and now these guys right. are getting 140, 50 RBIs and stuff like that. And so, it's changing that in that respect. The kids are bigger and stronger and faster. You know, the kids, the pitchers are throwing a lot harder and 
<laughs> you mentioned uh, that the balls are juice. We uh, there's always a big debate about that. I, I guess you know when they took the steroids out of the body, they put it into the ball. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, so and you can't tell me that you know these balls aren't juice, right? Balls are. I had a uh, I heard on uh, MLB one night. Uh, Eric Burns made the statement. I'm going around to all these stadiums, and I'm seeing guys hitting balls in batting practice where I've never seen balls hit before, you know, so uh, so something's going on. But uh, but it makes for a good excitement. You know, the fans, this is what the fans want to see. So uh, they'll deny it and say, oh, they're not juiced, they're not juiced. But uh, I think, you know, when I see a guy 165 pounds hitting the ball halfway up in the seat, you know. Right. Something, something, yeah, something's, something's up. Yeah, Great. something's up. And I, and I, I, you know, in addition to that, the the changes in the game as far as the specifics and the statistics and saber metrics mm-hmm. and exit speed of the ball coming off the bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, these things never exist. You never you never even thought about those things in in your mm-hmm. era. And um and now it's it's a part of of, of every day. You know, the, the game every day. And 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 it, you know when when a game is being announced and and uh, um, critiqued. Uh, they're very specific about things that, that just didn't exist. Brian, you had something you wanted to add? Oh, yeah. So, uh, Vaughn, funny funny story. So um, prior to the show, I had uh, texted a couple of my buddies um, out in California. Uh, one of them's a big Padres fan. The other one uh, is a Giants uh, fan. And I told him that you, you were coming on the show, and I get this response back saying, uh, Vaughn Joshua? That that dude was one talented beanpole. So, <laughs> continuing with your your uh, svelte demeanor, uh, uh, being able to you know kind of uh, operate at the at kind of the you know the the, the svelte level of uh, of ball players. But you see some of these guys today, and and they're just uh, you know you wonder what what they're what they're eating and drinking for crying out loud. Yeah, um, I but I I, I I know. Yeah, and obviously mean that in the most respectful way. I just uh, I thought you might get a chuckle out of that because they're they're obviously very uh, aware of your career and we're uh, you know appreciative. I'm sure they're listening uh, right now. Um, yeah, speaking of uh, also just kind of uh, circling back to the you know you know it always probably come you know this is probably usually a a conversation topic is just playing uh, for Tommy, uh, Mr. Spaghetti Lasorda. Uh, you know, just if you want to, if you want to, uh, if, if you could just maybe, uh, talk, talk a little bit about what it was like playing for Tommy, especially at such a, you know, being a young pup in the league and, and kind of just, uh, were you starstruck? Were you kind of just, what was it like, uh, playing under his tutelage? Well, you know, uh, like I said, um, I, from in 16, I was in Dublin and then I went to triple in 69 and, uh, Tommy was, um, the, uh, rookie ball manager, and so he was coming from rookie ball to the AAA team of uh, the same year I went up there. So that was my first year meeting. Actually, he brought uh, Bobby Valentine with him from uh, from rookie ball and jumped him all the way up to to uh, the tri- you know AAA ball with him. But it was a great experience. Uh, Tom was you know like a second father to me, and you know he. There were times, you know, when I kind of doubted my ability, and you know, he would he would never have any of that. And there was one time, well, we picked up uh, Frank uh, Robinson one year with the Dodgers, and I was always the, the odd man out because in those days, you know, uh, you had so many options, and it was you know, we didn't have free agency or anything. And I can remember I was so down that year, 
And uh, I remember we boarded the plane in Los, the Dodger plane in Los Angeles, and all the way from Los Angeles to Vero Beach, which was about 14 hours in those days. I mean, he just talked to me nonstop, and I went out that year and won the AAA batting title. And uh, you know, boom, I was right back. You know, uh, you know, going back to the big leagues again. But he was just, uh, you know, Tommy. You know, a lot of people. Uh, if you if you you know if you on across the field from him you hate him but when you play for him you love him and uh, I mean you know he knew just how to how to handle and just how to push each player's button you know or, oh you know a lot of managers might try to put everybody in the same type of a you know boat but Tommy he he sought out each individual and you know and he uh, he knew how to how to push you and you know like I said how to push your buttons and uh, he was just a great teacher and you know he was a pitcher. And, uh, of course, he had all the great stories from when he was coming up with the Brooklyn Dodgers and everything. But, uh, you know, even though he was a pitcher, he was very, very good uh, instructor as far as hitting and uh, all phases of the game. So uh, it was just, uh, like I say, I don't think if it wasn't for Tommy, you know, I really don't know where I would have ended up. Because you're right, it was very, very tough in those days. Uh, The competition was extremely, extremely tough. I remember – there was when I first went to Double A, I was like I wasn't even 21. Roger Craig was my manager, and I'm looking at some of the guys that are 26 and 27 years old, and and they've been in Double A for four years. I said, Oh my God, <laughs> you know these guys are good ball players, and, and they're still in Double A. And they say, Oh kid, don't worry about it. You're just passing through, and you know and they were right, you know. So, uh, but I, I, you know, all in all, I owe a lot of my uh, a lot of my success in my career to Tommy Lasorda. He was just a he's a just a great great guy to play for, and as we all know, you know he's a great ambassador of the game. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a quick uh, personal story. Uh, grew up on the east side of Cleveland, and I was in eighth grade. And this is, I think, in about nineteen. I want to say eighty nine. And all of a sudden, some limo pulls up in front of our school, and and they just called a a whole school assembly in the auditorium. And in walks Tommy Lasorda, and we're all just kind of jaws agape. Uh, and he gave a very impassioned speech about, you know, just uh, academics and, you know, just, a, again, being that ambassador that you allude to. Um, but then he started uh, <laughs> started trumpeting the the the, the Dodgers, uh, you know, and this he's talking to a big <laughs> auditorium full of Cleveland Indians fans. And uh, yeah. I think by the time it was over, people were throwing lettuce and tomatoes at him. Uh, but it, it's something that, you know, but it's, you know, you can't, how, how could you hate, how could you hate on Tommy? It's like, it's, um, you know, he's like everybody's dad and grandfather and, and great granddad all rolled in brother, all rolled into one. And, um, I'll never forget that because it was just, you know, a mountain suburban, uh, Cleveland and, and here comes Tommy with sorta, he must've known somebody at the school or something. And, uh, wow. I mean, just what a, what a memory, uh, for, for from my childhood. Yeah, he definitely bled Dodger blue, and uh, he instilled that in us, you know, the Dodger tradition. And he he always, you know, made sure we we knew uh, who we played for, and and that we played, uh, you know, we bled Dodger blue. And it's true, yeah. you know, like he always his his favorite saying was always, uh, "Once a Dodger, always a Dodger," you know. So uh, <laughs> that was his favorite saying. But regardless of where you went. But, uh, yeah, he was just, a, like I say, you know, he was just a, you know, just a great guy to play for. And uh, I, I was very quiet when I, I went there in 69. And, 
you know, if you know anything about Tommy, uh, Tommy's very boisterous, and you know he's loud and everything. And it took him a little while. It took us a little while to jail a little bit. You know, I can remember when I got called up in September in '69. My scout uh, came up to me at the first day I was in the big league we were playing the Pirates, and he said, "Well, t- I talked to Tom, and he said." He thinks he got through to everybody except you. <laughs> You're so quiet. He didn't know what was on your mind. But that was that first year, and he brought me out of that shell. And uh, like I said, you know, that was uh, that was a great thing that he did for me because I was, you know, really quiet and kind of shy, you know. And uh, but he brought all that out of me, and he, uh, you know, made me realize, uh, you know, my potential. Speaking of uh, speaking of the pirates, uh, before I forget. You mentioned Willie Stargell. Uh, I actually met mm-hmm. Willie Stargell uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I think, I was in uh, right around college age, and um, uh, he was a really nice guy. And I um, remember oh shaking God. his hand, and he had a huge mitt of <laughs> a hand. And uh, you could tell this was a guy that could uh, that could hold a piece of large piece of lumber and swat. And uh, but he was a really nice gentleman, and um, it was great to meet him at that, especially at that point in my yeah. life, you know. I hadn't met a whole hell, you know, heck of a lot of uh, pro ball players, and uh, exciting to meet him and, and, and a great guy. Um, I want to let our Just listeners know. Just a great know. guy. Just a great yeah, he was guy. a great he guy. Little, he called me a little home food because that was just, that was <laughs> way, that's what he called me. Was little home food. <laughs> that's funny. Um, I want to let our listeners know to call in, speak to Vaughn, six four six 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 eight eight four nine four. That's six four six. Six six eight eight four nine four. Call in, ask Bon a question. Um, I have a question um, mm-hmm. that I'd like to ask uh, about. Um, you mentioned to me that uh, I guess you were playing with the Brewers. Uh, you had a chance to uh, to play with uh, Hank Aaron, and that was in yeah. our, our conversation a few days ago. And uh, you know, I, that's something that had to be just. Uh, I mean, tell us what that was like. That had to be some, as, as a ball player, had to be something just a highlight of your career, and um, so much that you could learn from, uh, from from what he had been through, going through the major leagues to get to where he was, and uh, all the uh, accolades and just everything that he had. We have a caller. Uh, if you could just want to just address that, and then we'll take our call. Um, sure, sure. You know, well, I, you know, first. Uh, uh, Dusty Baker and I were very close, you know, and Dust and Hank took Dusty on his wing when he was with Atlanta. As a matter of fact, uh, Al Downey was my roommate. Uh, as we all know, Al Downey threw the home run pitch to to Hank to to break the record. But uh, in '76, I uh, I got sent over to Milwaukee, uh, early part of the season, and that was uh, Hank's last year. And uh, so it was just a great, you know, here again, it was just a great honor to play with him. And here I had been playing, you know, so many years already, and I just couldn't believe uh, he would kind of hold court for all of us young guys. You know, uh, Robin Yacht was on that team. That was like his third mm-hmm. year in the majors. And I think I mentioned to you, you know, he was only like 21, 22 years old. And you could <laughs> yeah. tell he be a Hall of Fame. You could tell he was right. a Hall of Famer, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but. But Frank just, uh, you know, uh, Hank just, you know, it just, he, you know, just his, you know, presence. I mean, and he was, you know, he he had a way about himself, you know, that you just, you know, I mean, just like I say, just his presence there. And, and when he when he spoke, you listen, you know, and uh, he he taught me a lot of things, and uh, so it was just a great experience. Like I, you know, I didn't know too much about the American League when I went over there, and. Um, 
and and like I you know I didn't know too much about Milwaukee, but once you know once I realized you know that I was going to play with Hank Aaron and my whole attitude changed and uh it was just a it was just a great experience uh to to be there with you know playing with him this last year and for you know in major leagues sure um so so uh we're gonna we're gonna take a call uh i think um it looks like they're calling from coney island new york hi caller are you there hello this is coney island i am a big lover of baseball my entire life and I respect that you have devoted your life to baseball since I see you came up in 1969. So, and I know you were a hitting coach. And since I have such a deep love of baseball, I've had a, a question that I've thought about and pondered about for a long time. If somebody gets up to the plate and he, he hits the ball 22% of the time, which would mean he bats 220, he doesn't get into the big leagues. If somebody hits the ball 26, 27% of the time, he makes it. What is the common denominator of people that are able to get up to 26, 27% compared to the guy that, you know, gets up to 22%? Is there something about people that uh, make it to the majors that they all have in common that they're able to make? Because it doesn't seem that big of a difference, 22 to 26 And a guy that hits the ball 31%, he's in the Hall of Fame. So what is it about these guys? And if you, I sincerely, again, appreciate your devotion to baseball and you're very knowledgeable and your whole life has been wrapped around baseball, and I thank you for doing that. Well, you know, uh, you know, talent has a lot to do with it, obviously. And uh, here again, you know, the Dodgers, uh, I felt so fortunate to come over the dark because they taught us how to do it the right way, you know. But, um, you know, the talent of, of hitting the baseball, it's not, as we all know, hitting a baseball is not an easy thing to do. And, uh, you know, going into it, uh, yeah, in those days, now with the, you know, all the stats and everything they have now. But, you know, three out of ten was considered a great hitter, as you said. And, uh, you know, and so you're going to fail 70% of the time, and we knew that going in. So uh, we just didn't, you know, I never let, if I if I didn't get a hit or anything like that, I never let it let it bother me, let it get me down, because I knew I was going to get my three hits out of ten, you know. So, uh, but I think a lot of it has to do with talent. And, you know, and, you know, and, and here again, just learning how to, you know, learning the proper techniques i uh i'm you know because i came up the way i did with frank and all those guys i, I was more of a you know a fundamental guy you know teaching the guys the proper fundamentals and then letting their talent take over and you know a lot of the guys would come up i taught uh i was in triple a for many many years i coached four years in the majors and i had a lot of young guys you know a lot of them had talent but you just have to show them how to put that all that talent together and make it work for them so so i think the, the you know the the bottom line and the common denominator is that you know they just had had a lot of talent i remember i had maglio ordonius for example when he was 17 years old and uh he was just a skinny kid and I had him in A ball, I had him in double A, and I had him triple A. It took me three years to to get him to to where you know after the double A season because he was always changing his stance, and I finally got through to him to you know to to have this, this you know particular stance. And he took it through his whole career, 
So you, you could see the talent there, but, you know, like I say, a 17-year-old skinny kid from that didn't speak English, you know. So, uh, But I think, the you know, the bottom line is that you just – you could you, as a coach and being in the baseball as long as I have, you see the talent. You can see the talent in certain players. And, unfortunately, you know, everybody doesn't have that same level of, uh, you know, talent. So – and, you know, you – you you try to help everybody, even even you know. But you have a good idea as a coach, and like I said, I was in AAA for many many years, and a lot of the guys who can that's one step out of the big leagues. But as a coach, you know you you know who's going to make it and who who's you know really not going to going to make it. Well, thank you very much. I sincerely appreciate your sincere answer, and again, thank you for your devotion to baseball because it's been your entire life. And very few people devote their life, lawyers, doctors, even in other careers. If somebody was a doctor for 40 years, they know what they're talking about, hopefully. And uh, I sincerely appreciate your answer about what ta- what it takes to be a great hitter. So thank you very much. From Coney Island. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, caller. Uh, call in any time. All right. Well, so, uh, you know, uh that was uh that was a enlightening um you know kind of response and it's it is like hitting is is as much of a an art as it is a science and you know it's just fascinating obviously uh, the the thought process at least if you start to get you know a, a room full of like writers and and sports pundits uh they're always going to say what's the hardest thing to do in sports and uh it's it's hit a baseball and especially at the at the at the highest put, level put a round bat on a round ball yeah um, and, and I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that was Pete Rose. You gonna say, well, yeah. people would ask me, say, well, the thing is, you take two round ops, you have to make them meet squarely, and uh, yeah, that's pretty that's right. hard to do. So it's, it's a tough. It, hitting is the hardest thing to do in sports, and you know, the, hitting is the hardest thing to do in sports, but teaching it or being a hitting coach is even harder. You know, and, and elaborating on, um, on 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 your response, uh, you know, the level of um, of uh, quality in pitching from, you know, triple a to the major leagues is, uh, it's a big jump. So mm-hmm. a lot of the players that, that, you know, you see guys that, that are, are, are solid hitters in triple a and they, when they make, when they get to the, the bigs, they just can't figure out, you know, major league pitching because it's, it's a, it's probably uh and you could explain it, I'm sure as good as anybody, um, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, enlighten our viewers on the, you know, the difference between the quality of the, the level of pitching between AAA and uh, a, a breaking ball from a, a AAA pitcher and a breaking yeah. ball from, from a major league pitcher. Uh, there's got to be quite a vast difference. And that's the difference oh, yeah. between players that make it and don't make it, you know. No, no question about it. Uh, actually, you know, really, uh, actually in AA, you start seeing, you start seeing, you start seeing good breaking balls. Because uh, you start having guys who played a while, they're 28, 29 years old, and they're still in Double A. But yeah, Triple A, you know, it's just like you say, it's a it's a big big uh, jump. And the different, the big difference in in Triple A and and the big leagues is that, you know, in Triple A, the pitchers have an idea what they want to do, but they don't execute that idea very, you know, as, as often. But in the big leagues, those guys know what they want to do, and they put it where they want to put it, and that's the right. big difference. And, and I tell guys all the time that, hey, you know, it's, it's 
a lot different from here to there, you know. So that yeah, I use that to try to make them understand, you know, the the adjustments that they have to make, and you know, you have to make adjustments. Um, you have to make adjustments when you go to AAA, and, and like a, I had Eric Karras, for example, and uh, you know, he hit. I had him a couple years. He hit three thirty for me in AAA one year, and I, I had a tough time with him early in the season because you know he was, a, he was always having good years, and, and he said, you know, you can't. I said, Eric, I said, you know what? Man? Okay, that's fine. I say, but you know what, Eric? I said, you're gonna have it. He was he was he was struggling early in the season that year. And I said, Eric, you're gonna have a great year this year. And I tell you what, I said, you're gonna be in the big leagues next year. And you know what? You're gonna have to make another adjustment in the big leagues. And that's the difference in the big leagues. You know, they find out what your weakness is. And they attack that mm-hmm. weakness. And yeah. uh, so, you know, it, like you say, it's hard enough. But, yeah, Constant the pitchers, they, yeah, they, you're, exactly. It's all about adjustments. They, you know, when you come, first come up, you know, they don't know, really know what you can hit. So they try to find out, you know, what, what's your weakness. And then they exploit that. And that's the big difference. Whereas the AAA guys, they may know it, but they can't, you know, they can't execute it. But in the big leagues, they put the ball where they want to put it, and they put it around the corners and and well, <laughs> with some velocity. And you know, and the, the breaking balls are a lot, a lot different in the big leagues than they are in the minor leagues. So uh, yeah, there's that's a, a huge difference. There's an old saying uh, that I'm sure you've heard: "Good pitching will beat good hitting every time." Uh, exactly. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I've, I've heard that said from some people who are, are in the know. So uh, I guess there must be some truth to it. Yeah, quite a few people. Definitely, yeah, exactly, exactly. Good pitching would definitely be good hitting, you know. And, and you know, here again, the odds are against you as a hitter. You got right. You got eight guys out. You got seven guys behind the pitcher and he has the catcher. But, you know, you might do everything right and hit a line drive, you know, square the ball up and somebody jumps over the fence and makes a catch or shortstop dives and makes an outstanding catch. I played with Ozzy Smith uh, my last year uh, with San Diego. And, wow. you know, I mean, I just <laughs> see how many hits he took away from guys. So, <laughs> so you know, pitching, does, they definitely, they know what they're going to throw. Uh, they know, the pitchers know what they're going to throw, and you don't know what they're going to throw. So that's one of the tough, you know, uh, I know Hank used to always say, you know, people say I'm a guest hitter. And he said, no, I wasn't a guest hitter. He said, I just anticipated, <laughs> you know, what the guy was going same difference. But, uh, you know, but the great hitters, like, you know, they they, you know, they they figured it out and they knew what the guys were going to throw. It's still guessing because you don't know what the guys are going to throw, basically. But, you know, a lot of pitchers have patterns. But but most definitely, that, that statement is, is, is most definitely correct, that, uh, you know, good pitching is going to stop good hitting. Boy, who who knew Hank was so humble? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was absolutely very, very humble. Absolutely. Oh, wow. The um, so kind of going back to what you said about uh, kind of the scouting. What you know, without really knowing, uh, obviously the difference between AAA and and and, uh, and, and MLB. Uh, let's just take like uh, you know, uh, is there just dossiers? for like players um, tendencies, like before games, uh, does the manager or hitting coach or pitching coaches kind of go through with their respective uh, units uh, kind of like strategy around how to attack certain guys? Is there, you know, could you think about like the NFL or like the NBA, they've got, they've got a, each guy's got like a book on them about like kind of how to beat them. Uh, and I'm just wondering, you know, with so many games in, in Major League Baseball, you know, and, and, and the attention span and, and just how, how much of a marathon it is, you know, how much 
time is spent on a day-to-day game-to-game basis going over kind of what I just alluded to, like these, yeah, these scouting reports and just advanced kind of scouting reports to, to try to, to try to get around, like, you know, try to beat the guys uh, based on their, based on their uh, weaknesses. Yeah, this is true. And, you know, uh, uh, nowadays, you know, they have video, you could, you could watch video, but uh, you have pitchers meetings and yeah, you do, you know, every day, uh, the years I was in the big leagues, uh, every day, you know, they could, they send us a big stack of, you know, the, uh, the community relations department would send us a big stack of papers and all the stats on, on the guys we we're going to play. So uh, we study all that. And uh, so it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of study that goes into it, you know, and you, as a on the hitter side, you, you know, you watch, you, you study the pitchers. Uh, we used to watch the pitchers the day of, that we were going to face them. We watch them on, on, on TV, their game before. So, um, so there's always, a, you know, that, you know, the, that cat and mouse type of game, so to speak, you know, with, uh, but it's a, there's a tremendous amount of, we didn't have all those stats when, uh, when I was coming up, you know, it's just, or computers. Hey, you see the ball. <laughs> it's a lot of <laughs> yeah, information. Yeah. You know, it's really funny you say that because I remember I was, I was coaching the White Sox when they first started computers and they hired a computer guy. And I told, and I said, Hey man, I said, there's nothing on that computer that's going to help me teach Maglio how to hit Roger Clemens once he's in that batter's <laughs> box. You know? Nothing on that computer is going to help that, you know. So, uh, you know, I, and I now, you know, we, they call it old school, you know, as opposed to the new school thing now. And then it, it's it's all about that now. And, and the guys, you know, the guys take advantage of it. You know, there's some managers, uh, there's some, old, some managers that are old school and they've, you know, adapted to the the new way of you know the new way of uh of doing things you know mike social madden some of these guys you know so so it, it's uh but yeah it's uh it's a lot of information that uh that goes in sometimes you're wrong sometimes you're right uh funny story we had uh my first well uh Ichiro's first year uh when he came to the states and in spring training, we just or we jammed him all the time. We just jammed and jammed and jammed. He had this big high leg kick, and uh, so we were jamming him all spring long. And I remember uh, we went to Seattle early in the season, and uh, Nardi Contreras, our pitching coach, so I said, "Okay, I'm gonna go into the pitchers coach, pitchers meeting just see what's going on, you know, what they're saying." And he, he went over all the players, all the hitters, and everything, and he said, "Well, each row." We're going to jam him. He's just going to keep jamming and jamming and jamming. And I'm sitting there. I can't sit on this, you know, in front of the pitchers to the pitching coach. But we get back in the into the coach's room, and I say, Nardi, hey, man, uh, each row can hit that inside pitch if he wants to. No, 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 no. Inside, outside, bad pitches. You know, it's so so funny. So we, we went into Seattle uh, early in the season, first time we, we faced him during the season. And they threw him a pitch outside, and they tried to jam him. He had the ball halfway up the seats in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he was sitting next to the manager, Jerry Manning. I leaned forward and said, okay, I told you. <laughs> you so know. much for that idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So much for that idea, yeah. But, hey, but, hey, uh, hey Vaughn, yeah. let's, let's, uh, let's take a caller. Hey. Okay. Oh, yes, sir. You're on the line. Oh, hi, this is Ward from Michigan. I wanted to ask Bon a two-part question. One is, in all your years of Major League Baseball, are there any mammoth home runs that you witnessed that you just couldn't believe a guy hit? 
And number two, here's one question that I, I have in a lot of discussions online about the greatest right-handed hitter to ever live. Who do you, is it Aaron or is it Mays in your opinion? Oh, gee, that's a tough question. Horrible. Yes, sir, uh, and I'm asking a uh, pro for a reason. Yeah. You can flip a coin. Well, let's put it this way. Ted Williams was the greatest hitter <laughs> ever lived. Yes, but, sir. Uh, you could flip, you know, you, you choose either one of those guys, and, you know, you you wouldn't wouldn't be wrong. But uh, to, to answer the first part of your question, uh, the furthest ball I've ever seen hit, uh, absolutely, uh, was actually Willie Stalger hit three of them. He had one in uh, – in, uh, and not Forest Field, uh, was it Three Rivers or whatever it was, um, where Pittsburgh played, and yeah, he had rivers, a ball yeah. like w- yeah, way way up in the in the in the seats, and they put a they put a little they put a, a marker up there. So one night, Davy Lokes and I we got dressed you know pretty quickly, we were waiting for the bus to leave, and we we went up <laughs> and we looked back down on the field and we said, oh my god, <laughs> you know this is. A- it looks like a mile, but he also hit two balls. My first when I first got to the Dodgers in '69, I could say they were playing Pittsburgh, and he had a ball in Dodger Stadium that hit the ten up on the up on the roof in the, in right field, and uh, that was one of the parlors. But then he he even topped that. And the Smith was pitching one day afternoon game, and he hit a ball out of the stadium, completely out of the stadium, you know, right between the two uh, palm trees, like a football going through the goalposts, you know, and and we wow. just couldn't believe it that the guy hit the ball that far, you know. And uh, the next day, Andy comes up to him and says, "Hey, will you, will you autograph that bat for me?" <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Willie. I guess you know I've seen some some bombs, but I think those are the two balls that the three balls that just really really uh, impressed me on how how far how far he hit him. I know I played with Dave Winfield and um, he hit a ball in Dodger Stadium that cracked the seat. It was a line drive. And uh, that was impressive. We ran out of the ballpark. And, I used to smoke some impressive. balls. Oh yeah, Winfield, man. Wow. Oh my oh, God, yeah, he he would. Oh jeez, and, uh, and yeah, and so. But wow. you know, like I said, you you know, you pick Aaron or or Maze, you can't go wrong with either one. Those are just two, two of the, you know, four or five greatest players ever. Right. Thank you very uh, much. Thank, thank you for calling in. Uh, that was that was a great question, a great series of questions. Uh, funny Dave Winfield story. So a lot of people don't realize at the end of his career, uh, he had a little short little stint with the with with my again my home my hometown Cleveland Indians. <laughs> and that. I I remember. I did not know that. Oh yeah, I remember. Not a lot of people know this, and I remember sitting. He had to have been every bit of forty forty one. And I remember, you know, just kind of a good clubhouse presence, uh, just a big hulk of a man oh, still. Great. And uh, I remember sitting really kind of in, in, in Jacob's field, the old Jake, uh, it, sitting on um, the first base or excuse me, down the, the third base line, kind of uh, probably about three, four rows back uh, in the middle of the, the dugout. And I'm telling you. Um, the sound and the fury that came off the bat of, of, of this guy, it was the most towering shot I've ever seen. Nobody moved after it was hit. Like the outfielders didn't even, they just started walking in practically because it was just going over their head, but it was a moonshot. And when you're, yeah, I mean, when you're sitting that close and you see something that just goes, that you literally lose in the, in the, in the twilight of the evening. And then eventually you just see (laughs) the seats erupting in uh, right field, 
uh, is just a, a spectacle to behold. Well, we saw a lot of that at Yankee <laughs> yeah, Stadium. I watched yeah, Dave could hit the, yeah, he could hit the moonshots and he could hit the blind eyes. I have a you know, funny story. I, I, I tell my hitters all the time, you know, because you, you're always fighting with the hitters about, you know, trying to be a good hitter as opposed to a home run hitter. And I always I always told my hitters the story of uh, Tony Perez. Like I say, you know, every year you could just put up 95 or 100 RBIs. You knew he was going to get there. But we're in uh, – and I'm trying to tell them, you know, explain to them how, how important it is to be a good hitter. And, and, and even a guy like Tony that had the kind of power Tony did, had. And we were in Dodger Stadium, and Don Sutton, Don Sutton was pitching. And there was a man on second and third. And Sutton threw him a pitch. And Perez, you know, he's trying to get, you know, he wasn't trying to hit home runs. He's just trying to get those RBIs in. And he hit a line drive and that Sutton ducked. And the ball went over the center field fence. It almost wow. hit Sutton in the head, and Ooh. then it went up over the center. That's what we all say on the bench. Oh, wow. That's what everybody said. Was, and that's, you know, I try to explain that to the guys. So, hey, you know, don't just try to be a power hitter. You know, be a good hitter that has power, you know. So, uh, but, yeah, that, that's just a, that was just an amazing shot right there that I, I'll never forget. Like I said, I, I use that a lot of times, and I'm trying to teach the young kids about, you know, trying to be a good hitter. And, and and Dave Winfield was both a good hitter and a and a great power oh, hitter. Great hitter. Uh, exactly. I had the pleasure exactly. of meeting uh, Dave, and uh, I'll tell you, he had quite a sense of humor. He's a real funny guy. Yeah, I know you you probably you played with oh, him, yeah. right? With the Padres. He's a funny guy, and um mm-hmm. and uh, really nice guy, and I uh, enjoyed meeting him. And um, quite a few of the ball players uh, that you you played with, you know, uh, some of them I have had here on the show. I I think I mentioned to you that we've had uh, had a couple of uh, players you played against as our guests, and um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we'll have them back again, and we'll certainly invite you to to call in one night when we have some of one of the other guys and see if you guys can uh, remember <laughs> facing each other uh, either as you know as a pitcher hitter or if you, you know competing <laughs> against. Well, he, I, I I mentioned to, I mentioned I was telling Brian uh, I mentioned to uh, in our conversation the other night I mentioned that we had uh, my buddy John Stearns who was a four-time All-Star mm-hmm. catcher for the Mets, uh, Mark Littell, who might be Mark might be listening to the show right now. Uh, Mark Littell, who pitched for the Royals and then for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you played against. I I'm not sure if he was in the National League when you were in the National. Um, but it's possible you might have faced each other. Do you recall? Yeah, facing you Mark know. At all? Uh, I think I did face him. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I can't say for sure, cause, but I, I think I did face him either when I was at Milwaukee or when I was with, uh, in, you know, in the National League. But uh, I remember he was a very, very good pitcher. He had a, threw a very, very heavy ball. And, That's right. And, and, you know, it's funny. Yeah, he had very heavy <laughs> I told him you said that, by the way. I, uh, I sent him a message <laughs> the other night. I said, hey, I got Vaughn coming on the show. And, and he said he threw a real heavy ball, and he just went, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. One word. That's so, why. Yep. I mean, oh man, you're talking about hurting your hand when you hit some of this ball. Oh, yeah. God. And, and you know, you 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 know, a lot of people don't understand what a heavy ball is, but uh, it's kind of hard to explain. But you know, when you hit a heavy guy who throws a heavy ball, it doesn't feel so hot when you if you don't square it up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's like uh, uh, people that have ever hit a baseball that 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 have not squared it up right, and it's it's somewhat of a bee stinging. Uh, 
<laughs> it's the best way. Yeah, it's, it, it, you just say bees. Yeah. You know, you get it's like getting you know your hands are being stung by you know a hundred bees. That's exactly. Um, <laughs> that's exactly. It goes that's the, the only way you could describe it. And anybody who's ever <laughs> exactly. you, hit a ball wrong or not squarely <laughs> understands exactly that bee stinging feeling. And um. And that's and, exactly guess, what it was. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're playing in yeah. New York City and you're playing you're playing ball in like late November, early December. And uh, and and anything you hit hurts your hands because the bat is frozen oh, yeah. and the ball is frozen. Yeah. Um, oh, too. Well, you growing know, up, I, I guess. San Francisco. I played in San Oh yeah, you, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, even oh in, yeah. Candlestick. Wow. I grew up. I grew up. I grew up there in the Bay Area, and to play there, I mean, in June, July, and August. And yeah, it was so cold. cold. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember Tom Seaver would walk by when we were taking days. He would be pitching. He'd walk by and he'd look at it and say, yeah, you got batting gloves tonight? You got a thick bat handle? <laughs> 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 he would always be sure to tell and remind us of that because he coming in there. But, uh, yeah, Calistic would be cold uh, all day in June, I've heard July, stories. August. Yeah. Be cold. So, uh, uh, Vaughn, from a from a an adjustment perspective, you know, all a lot of these kids, uh, you know, you look at the Southeast Conference and coming out of college, uh, a lot of these kids, you know, everyone's playing with these aluminum bats, ping, 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 all over the field. Uh, do how how in your estimation, like how how big of, a, of an adjustment is it going from aluminum to to wood? Uh, you know, especially like the kids that are you know coming out of straight out of out of three or four years even of college versus maybe, you know, coming mm-hmm. into yeah. the league, they get out of, out of high school, they can kind of maybe have a little, or even them. I mean, they, they've got to make an adjustment too. What, what do you, oh, what yeah. are your, uh, oh, yeah. great, great, great question, dude. Cause uh, that was the absolute most difficult thing for the kids to do is to adjust to from aluminum bat to, to a wood bat. Uh, I remember I had, you know, like I said, I had Eric Harris and Mike P. I had Mike Piazza when he was a baby, and uh, these kids, you know, they would they would break eight bats a day, you know, because ah. they were so used to using that aluminum bat. The aluminum bat, you know, they had the uh, a problem a lot of guys have and had is that when they go to a wood bat, they try to um, make their wood bat look like, you know, kind of copy off their aluminum bat, and you can't do that yeah, because, yeah. you know, the aluminum bats had those big old barrels and they had the, you know, real skinny hand. And uh, and, and, a, and a rubber so handle. Different. <laughs> and a rubber handle, exactly, you know. And, and this is one, it, it hurt, you know, it hurt a lot. It hurt pitchers because pitchers were afraid to come in. So pitchers oh, yeah. come into the right. professional ball, they had to learn. And the first thing a pitching coach says, hey, you got to learn how to, to be successful. You got to learn how to pitch in. But, yeah, that's the biggest uh, problem the yeah, that the hitters had that I saw was adjusting to that to that aluminum. I mean, adjusting to the wood wood bat because you know you could hit it. You could hit. I and I would explain to parents when I teach their kids sometimes. You could hit a ball on the end of the bat with the aluminum bat and hit it out of the ballpark, or you could hit a ball you know around what would be the label and hit it out of the ball if you're strong enough. You hit it out of the ballpark. And uh, but you hit those same balls with aluminum uh, with a wood bat, and you're gonna break it. <laughs> so that's that's one of the big differences. You know, and kids they come up and they'll hit a ball with the wood bat, and they say, oh god, that ball used to go out with the aluminum. It's not going out with that wood. That's bat. right. So it's, a, it's a different ball game with that wood bat. I think the attraction. That's why I it, well, I'm sorry, I, you I know, I, 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 I'm just I'm just thinking, you know, as a kid, you know, growing up. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, just 
brought back a, a memory. You know, the thing that attracted kids to the aluminum bat was that tink, you know, that sound on the ball, yeah. you know, when you're mm-hmm. nine, you're eight, nine years old and, you know, you connect, sure. it's got that, sure. tink, you know, that sound. And it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a good feeling. It's something good that, you know, you know, you made a, a you know, solid contact and uh, you could, or not, but you could feel the, the bat reverberating off the ball, that aluminum. Oh, yeah. And, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, it was a joy, it was a joyous feeling, you know? So I think the kids get, they kind of get addicted to that. Um, and when they go to a, a wood bat, you don't get that same reverberation. Uh, actually, when you hit a ball solid with a wooden bat, you don't feel anything. It's nothing. That's and that's true. the difference. It's nothing, that. Yeah. You, it's nothing. You know, when you really swipe something, you swat something, a, a ball on a, on a wooden yeah. bat, as you know, you don't feel anything. And that's when the, you really that's got true. the best contact. Well, you know, um, the kids, uh, yeah, they get a false sense of uh, I'm okay, you know, start out with eight years old all the way through college and and they get this sense of i'm okay i'm okay i'm a great hitter i'm a great hitter and you know and they they do a lot of things wrong and they get away with it because of aluminum bat and then all of a sudden they get to professional ball and they don't get away when they start scratching their head well hey i used to hit that you know and this and that (laughs) yeah so you and that's one of the tough problems too in trying to teach guys because you have to really teach them and break them of some of their habits that they did with the aluminum mm-hmm. bat because you can do, you know, you can just, you know, be strong and not take a good swing and hit a, hit, you know, hit a ball mile, you know, with the aluminum bat. So, so that was what, that was the toughest thing that I think I, I see with hitters coming from aluminum bat to the, to the, to the so, wood bat. Vaughn, what, what level are they allowed to use aluminum? Can they use them in the, in, in, in the Myers? No, college, no, yes. They can use them in, in college, yeah, college, college ball. Yeah. College ball, yes, but college, not but not in Pro Bowl, not in any level of Pro no. Bowl. And some of the smart college coaches, what they'll do is they'll have them off the, it probably, yeah. kids, well, they they they'll have the kids work out with the wood bat. You know, I do the same thing. If I see a kid that I think has a lot of talent, I'll tell the parent, hey, start start him swinging the wood bat as much as yeah. you can. You can't yeah. use it in the game, but you know you know the advantage. But uh, start learning how to use a wood bat. You yeah. know, and uh, so some of the some of the smart college coaches, you know, that's what they do. They they let their kids practice, their players practice with the wood bats as much as possible, and then use the aluminum bat in the game. But uh, it's a because whole, if they're going to different ball game, I mean, if they they have to at some point start to wean them off because if they're going to go to the next level, sure. they've got to you know they've got to really start getting used to hitting quality right. pitching with a wood bat. Um, yeah, it's, uh, tough. it's tough. You got to get it's off that tough. crutch. <laughs> Yes, and it is a crush. You know, that's a good way to put it. It is a crush. And, you know, I was, well, I was fortunate that, you know, I came up before the wooden bats were, you know, came out. So we had to learn, like I said before, we had to learn how to do it the right way, you know. And your fundamentals better be better be just right if you're going to be, if you want to be successful. Well, um, we've got, uh, we've got a few more minutes left and uh, mm-hmm. wanted to, Wanted to see if, if anybody else wants to call in and, uh, and, and talk to Vaughn. You've got just a couple more minutes, 646-668-8494. And um, uh, it's been great, great having you on the show, Vaughn. It's been very interesting, well, very informative. You. And I'm um, so thank glad you. you could join us. And we're going we're gonna to have you back on again, uh, hopefully sometime very soon. We'll talk about that. And, um, uh, but if, if there's anything else you'd like to share with us uh, in the last few minutes, please. Any other stories or anything of interest? Uh, 
uh, please go ahead and let us let us know now. Yeah, when's the book coming out? Yeah. <laughs> I told Brian that uh, that you've been you've yeah, been you people have been yeah, asking you, you about that. about writing your uh, yeah, your book. So uh, you want to you want to get into that a little bit? <laughs> I, I, you know, you know, I've had like I say, you know, I you know I wasn't a superstar or anything, but I had, you know I was in, in in some great moments. You know, like I say with you know playing with you know I was Al Downey's roommate when you know Hank hit the home run and things like that. You know, I hit a I remember uh, Hank's last year. I uh, I was struggling a little bit, and uh, he only kept like three bats out in the bat rack because everybody was stealing his bats. And so we were in uh, New York, and I said, "Hey, let me use one of your bats." So he let me use it. We we're facing Catfish Hunter, and I hit a three-run homer off of him. And I said, "Oh, I want to get that bat." <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we went we went from New York all the way to the West Coast, and we we had a bunch of bat you know bat bags, and so we had a lot of bats on the road, and so I couldn't find us. Oh man, somebody stole that bat, <laughs> you know. And you so, should have marked so it we or something. At, we, were, <laughs> we were in Anaheim, and I, I saw the bat. And I, I took it. And I immediately went to him. I said, "Hammer, can I have this bat?" He said, "Yes." And I have it today. My wife put it in a big old wow. frame. Uh, all right. With the, you know, hit it off with Catfish Hunter and you know Hank Aaron's bat, and uh, so that that was a that was a great that was a great uh, feel for me right there. You know, hitting that home run with different bats. Hey, Vaughn, we got a caller. Um, let's uh, sure. let's take this caller and and uh, yeah, caller, you're on. Hey, this is Keith from Northville, Michigan. I'm calling mm-hmm. to ask Vaughn. Since when, in the era that he played, could he tell us who was the be- had the best curveball and had the best fastball that he thought, that he faced during his career? Oh, uh, best curveball! I tell you who had the best curveball when we played with Bert Blylevin. Uh, you know, he he just he had a filthy curveball. Uh, I played with Don Sutton. Don Sutton was had one of the the best curveballs you ever see. So and you know we. Were, and I mean, that, we were fortunate too. Like in Don's case, you know, we had we had Sandy Kovacs as an instructor. We had Johnny Padres, you know, Ron Paranofsky. We had all these great Don Drysdale. So they were all spend time in spring training with us. So they would teach the guys all that stuff. But but uh, I think Bird Blylevin probably had the uh, the best curveball I ever seen. Sut was real close, but Blylevin probably gets a little tip. Uh, uh, for me, on on the best curveball, uh, the best fastball. Well, obviously, you know Nolan Ryan, J.R. Richards had a had a great fastball. Uh, guys like that. Um, but Nolan Ryan, you know, when you say talk about fastball back in back in those days, you know, the first guy comes to your mind is uh, obviously Nolan Ryan. Yeah, thank you. That's that was a that was thank a, you, caller. Yeah, great that was a question. great question. Uh, speaking of of Nolan Ryan, I mean, you want to talk about. Uh, and uh, I don't even have the words to describe it. I mean, I, I, you know, I look at him and I'm just like, how is this guy throwing this many innings? Because uh, they just they don't make them like that anymore. You know, no, it, they it, don't. His arms not falling off. I mean, have they like uh, done some kind of crypto DNA? Uh, what is it? Were they were they uh, cloning? Yeah, if they funny. could somehow yeah. bottle. His his DNA, just his uh, or just even his arm, I don't even know, and and uh, it's yeah. just robotic uh, in yeah. nature. Yeah. You know, we he had strong legs more than anything. You know, uh, there was an old Dodger coach that that taught all those guys, uh, Rue Walker, who's their pitching coach, uh, Seaver, and he taught what they you know what they call the drop and drive, and so you know they're 
go down and drive at the you know towards the plate. But they don't teach that anymore. But you know he had a great arm. But more than that, he had great great legs, also great strong legs. You know one of the pitchers that we haven't brought up that I know that pitched in your era um, uh, is a guy named Bob Gibson, and I'm pretty sure you oh. faced him. And he was he threw you a bow tie. And I don't know how or why you'd ever want to get back in the plate after he threw one up around your chin. I mean, he was oh just one God. of those competitors that, yeah, he must have been brutal to face. It had to be one of the toughest pitches you ever, you ever you, had to face. You call that a competitor. I think he was mean. <laughs> he was, just, he uh, was mean. And I, was I was being nice. <laughs> yeah, yes. I was fortunate enough. My first time I faced him, uh, I was so nervous, and guys said, "Oh, just go. He gonna throw it around there." And I remember I pinched it, and I got a base hit, and I I got the first wow. base hit. Uh, Dick Dick Allen, uh, way to hit the ball, Josh. And I looked at him. I said, "You know me, <laughs> you know." But yeah, Gibson, you know Bob would, if you he you know he was so quick. I mean, you know he, he would he wouldn't give you a whole lot of time, and if you stepped out of the batter's box on him. Don't do that because you might, like you said, the next one might be right <laughs> now, now you made, now you made a man. Right the, <laughs> he was, he was a ready man. Head, now you made you a know? man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you look what he did to Bobby Tolan. Uh, Bobby Tolan, they were teammates, and Bobby got traded, and he hit a home run off of Gibson. And I like to say, I don't know if it was intentional, but the next day, bad, he hit him in the head. <laughs> so, wow. You know, and he wow, was I don't remember teammates. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Wow. You know, That's tough, was, man. Yeah, he was, <laughs> That's yeah, tough. He was, he would tell you you dig a you dig a hole. He said, "Keep digging that hole because I'm gonna bury you in it." <laughs> and that's, that's what he would tell you. <laughs> you know, you can't. You can't yeah. This is this is this is you know harkening back to our, the earlier in our conversation. This is the kind of things that you just that would not fly. Did you, uh, Von? Did you see last night's uh, Dodgers? That by the way, last night's Do- Dodger Giant game was yeah. the game yeah. of the week. That was a yeah. hell of a ball game. And, and, yeah. and, you know, listen, Puig said something, and the Giants catcher, he was talking to himself about, not, about missing, a, missing a good pitch that he thought he should have hit. Giants catcher, I forget his name, said something. And then a fight ensues. This is the, this yeah, is the difference in the game. Uh-huh. Gibson could tell yeah, you he was going to bury you. That just wouldn't – you couldn't get oh. away with that today. You know, sometimes, you know, you get in the batter's box and you might be getting yourself ready and you look up and he's already in his windup. And like I say, don't yeah, that would never happen today. That would never happen. Because oh, the next never... pitch might be right at your coconut, you know. Yeah, so that would never happen. So get, this is the difference. very intimidating. Yeah, this is a difference in the game. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you better not say, oh, geez, uh, or show any frustration that I missed on the pitch or something. <laughs> because, like, what, that was another reason. You know, not, Ryan was kind of the same way. Seaver wasn't like that, you know. But Ryan, you know, he he, he could intimidate you also. Those two guys, right. Ryan and Gibson, probably the two most intimidating pitchers that I ever faced, you know. And, and uh, they, some, uh, well, and, you know, we had the great, Don Draza out of the Dodgers organization. They just sort of hit you and say hello to you. <laughs> you know, but uh, but that, that was old well, they, school baseball. Like you said, you can't do that nowadays. They they hit you and put you on base because they knew they'd get the next three guys out. Exactly. They, they could afford to hit you because they had that, that confidence exactly. in their ability they could get exactly. the next three guys out without you scoring. Exactly. Um, they were just so great. Well, we, uh, we've enjoyed having – Von Joshua on our show as our guest, and uh, we immensely, hope, immensely. Uh, this was this was a lot well, of fun, Von. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have you back on. We're gonna set something up uh, real soon and have you back on as soon as uh, 
you're available and we have a, a, a scheduling uh, availability for you. So we, uh, we'd like to bid you uh, farewell for tonight. And uh, thanks again for joining us. We hope to, uh, to speak to you again soon on turning up the heat. And until, uh, until, by the way, our next uh, upcoming guest in just a couple of weeks is a gentleman that I think you may know, uh, crew chief, American League crew chief, Dale Scott is going to be our guest. Oh, yeah. So, sure. uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so, uh, I'm fired. Yeah, that's going to be you, interesting. You, <laughs> yeah, Vaughn, Vaughn, we, we, invi- we invite you to tune in and, and call in and, and, and have a little chat with, uh, with, with uh, yeah, exactly. former AL crew chief, Dale Scott. Uh, yeah, sure, but I look forward to it. Well, I appreciate it. And I, we'll have you back on soon, Vaughn. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you so look much. Look forward to it. Okay. Sure. All right. Thanks so much. Yep. Take mm-hmm. care. And hey, okay. yep. And mm-hmm. for, sure. Yep. And for Vaughn Johnson, uh, Vaughn, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm stumbling over my own words. For Vaughn Joshua, DA Cole, and Brian, Brian Guard, thank you for joining, Woo! turning up the yeah. heat. And so long. Good show. That's some call.